Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Today, our off-season report card. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Hope you had a great weekend. And don't forget to subscribe to our at Locked On VGK, or Locked On VGK, I should say, YouTube channel, and at Locked On VGK on Twitter. And you can find our podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen wherever you get your podcast. Chris, hope you had a great weekend. And today I wanted to break down, let's start off with breaking down VGK's offseason moves, the moves they made, and perhaps the moves that they didn't make, and whether or not they impacted the team. And I wanted to start off with the acquisition, if you will, of Bruce Cassidy. So they have a new head coach. Is that an upgrade or not? I say that this team might have a tad more discipline and a tad more, I don't know if I should say they'll have more grit, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Uh, it's an incomplete grade right right now. But as far as the offseason went with Cassidy, I think it could turn out to be a really good move for VGK, an experienced uh, coach, coach that's made it to the postseason repeatedly. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, just starting with Cassidy uh, from a singular perspective, I think that is an upgrade. I think the changing of the guard was necessary. If we go back to, uh, you know, my favorite thing to allude to, folks, the uh, end of season locker cleanout interviews with the general manager, and I honestly think that was a big part of why uh, DeBoer was moved on from, why he was relieved from his duties, and Cassidy was brought in. The team felt they lacked identity, discipline. Uh, I mean, you saw Pacioretty's comments about, uh, you know, the country club atmosphere and everything. And the fact that there's just no identity for the team, no identity, lack creativity. And Cassidy is a proven winner. And DeBoer is too. Not, I'm not, that's, you, you can, you can split hairs about their success and everything. But Cassidy seems to have an established identity with his teams. They are tougher. Uh, they do work harder. And Cassidy, he's tough on certain players too. We have, uh, we've heard about that through many different circles that Cassidy might be tougher on the younger players, but, Hopefully they will respond well. So if we're simply uh, starting this off by comparing Cassidy and DeBoer, I think when you take the entire situation, a change was necessary. And hopefully that will, um, you know, energize, if you will, a new beginning for uh, some of our VGK players. And I think that's going to help for season six. How important. I was thinking about this over the weekend. I know one thing that Pete DeBoer wanted to try to do with his VGK team was to set the tone early in games. How important do you believe the first 10 minutes will be of the first period of any period, let's say, but especially the first 10 of the first period to kind of set the tone for the games? Is that going to be important under Bruce Cassidy too? I think it's important under any coach, you would think, um, you know, the first 10 minutes, you can look at a couple different ways. This is actually a fun little topic here, but like, let's start when, when you're on a back to back scenario, when you're on the back half of a back to back, right? The team that is on the back half 
they're the team that actually usually has a pretty strong 10 minutes because they're still going from the previous game and then things kind of taper off as the game goes on. Um, so when you're the team that is playing against the team on the back-to-back, you simply have to do your best to survive and then you kind of uh, shift the momentum your way. But from a general perspective, you know, especially for a home game, right? You got to get the crowd on their feet. You got to get them pumped. You got to hit a couple players early, get some good opportunities. And just uh, taking from a betting perspective, uh, a lot of local houses here in Las Vegas offer action. Will there be a goal in the first 10 minutes? The interesting thing for the first four seasons of VGK, it was, will there be a goal in the first 10 minutes? It wasn't just VGK goal, but in any goal. And then that line actually shifted to, will there be a goal in the first nine and a half minutes? So the sports books, obviously, uh, out here seem to be aligned in the sense that there's going to be something happening in that first 10 minutes of the game. And I think uh, the coaches certainly um, shadow that perspective by uh, trying to get the team on the right foot. With Cassidy, I would have to give him a B. I think a B across the board uh, because of, well, he played, he was with the Bruins. He was a coach of the Bruins, so definitely a B. But in any event, I, I just think that that was an upgrade, too. Uh, as far as the head coaching position goes. Uh, the re-signing of the RFAs, uh, all but Nick Haig returning so far, and they also brought back Riley Smith. Those RFAs under 25 years of age, which uh, McCrimmon alluded to, I'd have to say that's a B-plus in that area insofar as getting a lot of that young talent re-signed for VGK, and they did a good job in balancing the books with that talent. No doubt, and this is, you know... As we get deeper into this segment, I'm sure we'll just go ahead and give an overall score at some point. But, you know, what we're grading is the now. We're not grading what got us here. We're not grading why the Pacioretty trade happened. We're not grading um, why the Dodonoff trade happened and all these salary dumps and things like that. So VGK has to do the right blend of bringing in talent for the now. Phil Kessel, obviously, I'm sure we'll hit, and hit on that in a second. But also keeping your AHL staples in place, you know, Paul Cotter, Ron Bjerg, LeCision, et cetera. Um, we have to keep them, you know, because at some point this season, those players are going to be called upon or two or three years from now, those could be the players that, you know, are carrying the mail to some degree. So just from a very general perspective, given everything that has happened this offseason, I'm very, I think they've done a very good job in what you just said, Tony, balancing the books, right? There's so many different paths that the team might want to take, but there's only a few paths that they can take. And I think just uh, if uh, we're going to start with a pass-fail basis, I think we're certainly passing this offseason, given everything and all the challenges that the team has created for themselves. Yeah, I was talking to Danny Webster from the Las Vegas Sun, the beat writer for the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday, and he was as surprised as we are about the amount of activity for VGK during this offseason. It's been incredible and a lot to write about for him, a lot to talk about for us. Uh, letting Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coglin go for future considerations is an absolute fail. I'm going to be kind today because someone said I'm trying to run uh, Kelly McCrimmon out of town on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, Lockdown VGK. I'm going to give him a D. You give him a McCrim- you're giving McCrimmon a D? No, just that trade, that that deal. Oh, gotcha, 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 understood. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna try to be a kinder, gentler Tony today, you know, and I'm gonna let him off the hook. It won't be an F. I'm gonna give him a D. Let's say Pacioretty doesn't get injured. Uh, that I think was going to be a total fail 
on the part of EGK. That situation is so strange. So like everybody, when the trade, I, I was sitting at a red Robin, I think it was an afternoon. <laughs> um, I was doing some shopping and I might've had an old fashioned because it was Tuesday in the afternoon and everyone should have an old fashioned at that point of the day, but so good. So good. Um, we'll have one for breakfast right now. I'll be right back. Drink responsibly folks. All right. So back to the situation with Patch Reddy and Coughlin. That is so weird because you can't, the, the angry part of me wants to sit here and say, you can't tell me you couldn't have done better than nothing for Patch Reddy and Coglin. For Patch Reddy and having to throw Coglin in so it's nothing. I think that's probably the way you need to say that. But at the end of the day, that might have been the best situation that VGK had on the table. It might have been the best offer on the table because leverage is a heck of a drug, folks. Leverage is a heck of a drug. And everyone in the NHL knew VGK had to shed a large portion of their salary. And it really came down to if they were going to move on from Pacioretty, March or so, or Riley Smith. I think those are the most, the players that would get some type of return or at least would be able to just simply shed their skin in the Pacioretty circumstance where someone did take on his entire salary. I'm not mentioning William Carlson because no one's taking William Carlson at $5 million and change a year. That's just, that's not going to happen without having to unload draft picks and things like that. So at the end of the day, I think Pacioretty having to add Coglin for nothing was probably the best deal on the table. There might have been other, other teams willing to take on Pacioretty, which would have required either BGK to acquire more, you know, uh, take on some of his salary. Uh, when you make a trade, you can eat up to 50% any single team. So that's when sometimes a third team comes on, comes into the situation and, you know, another team might take on some of the salary. But if you, you know, call the Arizona Coyotes and say, uh, hey, uh, jump on this uh, deal here. We want you to take some of the salary. Of course, Arizona is not going to do it for free. They're going to want a draft pick. They're going to want something. So as goofy as it sounds, that patch already trade, I think actually gets a passing grade from me. I'll give it about a C plus because I want to think that. I want to hope that McCrimmon maybe could have tried to work the phones a little bit harder, maybe tried to do a little bit better. But I think a C-plus is the top of the curve for me for that trade as well, just because the optics of Patch Reddy having to add a prospect, a defensive prospect, and getting back nothing. It doesn't sit well from an optics perspective, but I think that was probably the best deal on the table to shed 100% of Patch Reddy's contract without going too deep into the well. I don't believe that McCrimmon could have dialed that rotary phone quickly enough. To I set you deal. up for that one. I, I, took I know. You down Thank that you path. so much. You're good job. <laughs> Acquiring Phil Kessel, a player who doesn't hit and does not get hit. I had to go there, but he is an elite passer. I don't know how much he hasn't uh, left in the tank. I'm going to give a B minus on, on that acquisition. And again, a little footnote there <clears throat> that they should have, they should have signed Paulie Walnuts, right? Stasty right there. Instead, but uh, I'm no, I, I'm I'm definitely not. I'm listen. I I I wanted when I saw Stasny go for 1.5 million. I did not like that one bit. I didn't even know Kessel was on the table. I thought me and you have talked about Kessel. We skipped right over him because of his previous contracts. I felt Kessel was going to command three million plus from someone, um, just because his time in Arizona, I think, tarnished him a little bit. And I think uh, that gave other teams the leverage, if you will. 
Um, I hope we're going to see an untarnished version of Kessel when he gets here. I really think the possibility exists. But, you know, if we're going to compare Stasny and Kessel, I'm taking Kessel all day just simply based on the points. Um, Kessel is 34 versus Stasny is 37, I want to say as well. And VGK tried to offer reportedly, of course, Stasny more than 1.5 to come back. And he reportedly denied that. So Kessel was the second choice, which I, if we're comparing those two players and that's it, I don't know how Kessel is not your first choice all day, just based on all the different things he has done in his career and his health. I mean, the health, that is such a big part of it by itself. And Stasny has the opportunity, if he repeats his season from last year, 50-ish points, based on his 1.5 AAV, the average out or the average spending per point is like 37000 and change is the way the math works out, which according to Cap Friendly has him at a top 25% ROI, rate of return, if you will, rate of return on your investments, based on what he's being paid. If he gets into, you know, 61, 62 points, he has the opportunity to have the best return. And there might be some rookie contracts that are still for some big players out there, but he has the opportunity to be in the top 10% when you're weighing his production versus what he's being paid. And for that by itself, I'll give him a criminal A- minus on that acquisition of Phil Kessel. Okay. And uh, the 1.5 million is what's, on the books, there's also comps at Nathan's Famous at New York, New York, for all the hot dogs that he can eat. The fries are and actually really good. <laughs> goaltending, no upgrade, no letter. It's an absolute D right now when you only acquire Michael Hutchinson and you lost Robin Leonard. That's a D. Yes. Maybe a D minus. No, I'll, I'll give that side an F. I will say that VGK has failed on the goalie side and that's not a knock on logan thompson by any means i am also on record many times saying i want to gamble with lt as our starter and we'll see what happens does that mean it's going to be the right decision i don't know but right now at the second assuming that nothing else happens in the goaltending department which the way things have gone let's just hold our breath for a second here then something might even change but between now and the season start like i know what mccrimmon said in his presser recently but i think I would be shocked if something still happened between now and early October when the season starts. But right now with the goaltending situation, it is a little discomforting having Logan Thompson backed up by somebody, whether it's going to be Hutchinson, Patera, or even what, what scares me even more is actually Brassois. We've talked about Brassois. The more games he plays is when his numbers start to struggle. If he can play that 15 to 18 game range, great. I think Brassois we'll have a fine season. But now you're telling me you're going to have LT out there for 65 games. Now, again, I know I'm contradicting myself, folks. I'm sure someone we – things must be going well, Tony. We're getting shout-outs and call-outs, and people are yelling at us on Twitter and YouTube right now. So, you know, let's kind of – whatever we're doing, let's keep it going here. But back to where I'm going with my statement here is I have said if LT can start 60, 65 games, then the team is in a good place. If he's playing that many games, then yeah, I don't think it's out of necessity. I think he's having a good season and things are going well. The reality is if I'm going to handicap the situation, having a goaltender carry the mail for 65 plus games in their rookie-ish campaign is playing with fire. When you don't have a backup who is like a 1B type of backup who can play 35 games like a I don't know, I'm just being a name out like a Jake Allen type or, 
you know, I know they kicked the tires on Varlamov, or at least we want to think they kicked the tires on Varlamov and some other notable goalies, even Ottinger, who could actually be a future starter. But again, it's that weird situation where if we do sign someone like that, you're pushing LT down to the AHL. Like he has to go to the AHL unless they tried and do the waiver game with Brassois. And I don't know how that would, would play out as well. So yeah, the goaltending situation is an F. But that doesn't mean Logan Thompson is enough either. I'm not saying that by any means. Um, Tony, I'm surprised you couldn't catch up with him last night at the at the, the, at the basketball game. game. Yeah, yeah, I saw that he was there at the game. Galaxy of stars there. No Gallic in the house, so it wasn't complete. I still have to go to one of those games. I saw your picture with the the, the pyro and, and the show in the beginning. That that looked like that was a lot of fun. Yeah, on fire, sold out with the WNBA Las Vegas Aces. That's awesome. And let's talk uh, just finally about cap compliance and how you would grade that out. And one of the contracts that slipped through, too, when I was going through the books here, my own little books, uh, Ron Bjorg, was his contract for $2.3 million? I thought, that was that, or is that over two years or over That's, two seasons? But You're telling me Ron Bjorg's making a million dollars a year? I don't know. But two point three for a season, I thought was a little steep. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm a little you on chintzy. That. I'm a little chintzy. I'm not going to lie. But let's talk about the uh, the cap compliance, and they still have about four mil, and you still think there's going to be shenanigans in the signing of Nick Hague, and you still do have like Evan Rodriguez who had a career season. Milano, I think, had a career season. Um, those two players out there are the most appealing, I think, still on the free agency market. No doubt, there's certainly some. 20-ish goal scorers who are coming off of um, some very good seasons who had some low contracts. And I'm wondering what the situation is there, if they're simply just waiting for um, – all right, so I got the contract for Ron Bjerg up. I had to do that. So uh, he got – looks like 2.3 for three years. So his cap oh, hits the three. minimum. So that's, that's – okay. <laughs> That was a minimum deal. Yeah. That, that, that was close. But, I just um, read that. Okay. Yeah, so there's some good players that are still out there, and I'm almost wondering if they're doing the Phil Castle, or not Phil Castle, pardon me, if they're doing the Nazim Kadri work, they're just simply waiting it out right now. And, you know, but this is the time you got to do something, because, I mean, let's just take the human element here for a second, folks. Camp start in roughly two weeks. You know, these people may have families. They got they got roots wherever they're they're living. Maybe it's not necessarily in the city they played in last year. But they have to make plans to live somewhere and change their kids' school and, you know, learn a whole new city where they're going to live for a while. And I know professional athletes, they go through this. And some athletes do this, you know, across the entire world, basically, in all the different uh, leagues and the, you know, the semi-professional and major junior and, and all these different, you know, situations. So maybe they're used to it. But, you know, you tell me you want to bring on a 30-goal scorer who's, you know, a young kid in his, you know, low to mid-20s. And all of a sudden, hey, uh, we'll see you in camp in two days. And that's just such a weird situation. So I wonder if, um, you know, they're starting to wear down a little bit and they're going to take an offer. And I mean, I mean, geez, what if VGK did get one of these guys for like one, like 1. 1.8, 1. 1.9 million or something like that? And we're able to hold on to Nick Haig. I mean, all of a sudden, maybe we're, we're changing our, our grade report a little bit here. Yeah, we've got uh, a couple of players on the mend. Mark Stone with the back issues. William Carlson with wedding season SZN. Exactly, Tony. Exactly. Um, What's your overall grade? No, my overall grade, I think the goalie situation is a concern being the importance of the position and not necessarily because Logan Thompson is the starter, but just because what's behind Logan Thompson concerns me. Let's just 
Let's go worst of the worst. Logan Thompson tears his Achilles ah. first shot of the game, and he's gone the entire season. Oh, like what's what happens there if we if we stay in house? I mean, Hutchinson. It, it's going to be a myriad of Hutchinson, Patera, Brassois. That's not good. That's not good. Now Phil Kessel, um, the Finnish kid, uh, uh, Manaman. That's you know. There's opportunity there. I think we did well as far as the forwards go. I think we did a good job keeping the core of our AHL together. Uh, on the defensive side, as long as we can get our hands on Nick Hague. I, I, I'm not the, – the Nick Hague situation, as far as him not being signed now, that's a non-starter for me. Things like this happen. Shea Theodore's situation dragged a little bit. I'm not going to factor that at all in what my overall grade is. But I think if it wasn't for the goaltending situation, I would have to give a B-plus just simply because of what, you know, what the team was able to do given what they lost and where they are in the cap. But since the goaltending situation is happening, which the sensitivity that to what that position, you know, applies, I'll I'll go with a C plus. Okay. I'm going to go with the B minus. So that's pretty good. We're pretty close there. Well, but I'm actually, I'm actually lower than you, Tony. Yeah. uh, That's interesting. This is weird. This is a, this is a weird day. Uh, Yeah. uh, It was sobering when people started to blast me on the YouTube channel. Trying to and run that's the first time you've been blasted. I, I doubt that highly, Tony. <laughs> Coming up next, what is the most underrated Vegas Golden Knight? Who is it? I should say more after this on Lockdown Golden Knights. Are you one of those people who thinks that it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times are much slower. They slow way down when you are high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Welcome back on Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And Chris, I saw something on the uh, on Twitter, I should say, over the weekend, and they asked, "Who do you think the most underrated player is in the National Hockey League?" And of course, we localize things here, and so I just have one one player, and I, that's Chandler Stevenson. It is with the, you know, I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. Career highs, I believe, the the past three seasons, sixty four points should have been an all star for. Crying out loud, this guy got screwed. He got shafted. 21 goals up from, what, 14 the previous season. Six power play goals. Is he going to play on the power play unit this season? Is he going to be important to play on the PP? I I think so. I mean, I can't see how he wouldn't. I'm trying to go over in my head really fast. Um, I can't see how he wouldn't have a spot. Uh, a, you're the bumper spot or on the wing or something like that. Um, I, I definitely think Stevenson will be on, will be back on the power play this year. I think that's pretty safe. Okay, that's my underrated player, and I just think you know it was an absolute steal. This is something that uh, George McPhee did right. Okay, you'll give him credit where it's due, uh, where they took a fourth liner from Washington, Stanley Cup champion, and who knew what his role was going to be here? But here's a guy that took advantage of all those injuries this past season. And I also would like to know where he's going to fit in with all of these other players, these new additions. 
And is he a player that could be on that top line as a wing, perhaps, because he plays really well in the corners with Jack Eichel, or at least at times? From the eye test, I felt Stevenson struggled when he was on the wing, and I think he's in more of a natural center. And I would love, from a balance perspective, to see him as the line two center, putting William Carlson down to line three. William Carlson has not produced at a high enough points per game clip to justify being out there on line two. So I think if Carlson drops to line three, he might be playing against the other team's not as good of defensive players, if that makes sense to you. Um, obviously, you're going to line, you want your, your line one, line two combinations out there for defense, that is, against the other team's top talent. So sometimes line three possibly slips through the cracks. But that, that's why I, I, listen, if line one does happen to be Eichel, Stevenson, Stevenson, pardon me, and Stone, like everyone's saying, you know, fine. So be it. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful three to throw at you. But I would really much prefer a little more balance and seeing line two being Stevenson, uh, Smith, and Stone. And then line one, that gives you Eichel, um, Eichel, Kessel, and Marcheseau. I think the balance there from the elite passing, Marcheseau does have that sniper ability and does get, in, even though he's five foot nothing, he will get in front of the net and get dirty and go to those tough spots and he can finish. I think Marshall is going to fit in really well with Cassidy's system. I really do. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to spill a little tea here because over the weekend on Stevenson's wife's Instagram stories, headed to D.C. to go to Tom Wilson's wedding. Ooh, that's like a curse word here, Tom Wilson. And then she took the story down. So I'm spilling the tea, man. She they took it went, down? Why? Yeah, she took it. <laughs> I think there was backlash. You, you, you followed Shayla Stevenson's wife, wife on Instagram? There was. There, I'm not going to go there, but there was some backlash from the VGK fans for him going to attend his former teammate's Come wedding. People. Which, that's people. kind of funny. Same so people that are mad about the, the, the ticket prices, but go ahead, Tony. Who's your most underrated player? Um, the only reason I'm not going to say Chandler Stevenson is because I think the I think the – don't say he's the, overrated. Now. No, 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 no. But he's known now. He's done what he's done and things like that. So I think he is now more known and and more noteworthy across the NHL and things like that. But uh, I, I'm going back to Zach Whitecloud. I've said Zach Whitecloud a million times about any time I can find something good to say about him. And Whitecloud, he's quiet. Like, you don't really notice him out there, as weird as that sounds. You don't really see him. After the game, you know, as far as the pressers and stuff like that go, you probably can't pick in your mind to picture one interview he did where you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe he said that. But again, last season, he's a plus 21 on a team that had over five man games lost. Um, 59 games played last year, so he did have a little bit of, you know, some injury issues. But in 59 games, a plus 21, on, and I think that plus 21 exceeded our overall plus minus for the VGK goals. Now that might've been skewed because we had all those goals against St. Louis in that last game, but still, and even last season, um, he plays 51 of 56 possible games. He goes, he's a plus nine, uh, 20 or 19 points. He goes eight and 11 previous season, two goals, 10 assists. So his goals per season are now going up. Uh, he's a big body. He doesn't look like a big body. Like I remember me and my dad, actually, we were talking about this one day and, I'm like, I, I didn't think he's he's six foot something by the way he just looks out there. But 
Um, according to his hockey DB, he's uh, just a tad over six foot. So, you know, he plays a pretty solid, strong game out there. He's starting to score. He can move very well up and down the ice. And I'm not going to compare him to Shea Theodore as far as skating ability and goal scoring ability, but just maybe that could be the path that he is on. I mean, imagine if like Zach Whitecloud, who might be on our third defensive pairing this year with Nick Haig, if he gets 10, 11 goals and that many assists, that would be, that'd be remarkable. That really would. And Whitecloud is someone I look at who could possibly wear a letter someday for this team. He's a homegrown player as far as went through the AHL with us. And now he's cracked at the AHL level too. And I think he's someone, if we're going to give out one of those crazy seven or $8 million contracts, if we can get him for four something million, three and a half something million, I say do it all day for Zach Whitecloud. Okay. Uh, Stevenson, back to Stevenson. If he has 60 or more points, I believe personally, this season, this team will be in business. They'll be a playoff team just within the structure, the new structure that Cassidy is going to um, input and everything else with all the players and Kessel. And if he's one of those players that could contribute that many points, I feel that this could be a playoff team. I think he's very important uh, to this Vegas Golden Knights team because he's the most, I, I think he's one of the most consistent players on the ice at all times. So 60-point scorers, let's just kind of go off the, off the rails here for a second. Stevenson, Kessel, Eichel, that's three right there, right? I mean, can we can we slot Marcheseau in for 60-ish points? Can, can he He'll have can he 30 goals and like five assists. Five I don't know. Assists. Just <laughs> kidding. No, I think, I don't know. He, he's a possibility. He's a possibility. And Marcheseau is great and consistent. Like, he's going to give you those 30 goals once again. No doubt. He's going to give you those goals. I'm just looking at his hockey DB really fast here, but um, he's definitely going to give you those goals. He's going to, but he contributes more. He's also, he's not a quiet leader by any means. He's certainly a, a leader on the ice and can, uh, you know, I mean, 66 points last year, Tony, 30 and 36. He got more assists last year and you're dogging him for uh, not getting enough assists. So, I mean, maybe that would be an interesting stat. We look at the last like four or five Stanley Cup winners and how many 60 point scores they had. And then we uh, see if we can draw a parallel to the VGK. Yeah, we just plan future shows off the cuff. Yeah, we have we have we meeting we have, we we have meetings to plan meetings. <laughs> we don't have any meetings. That's part of our problem right here. Uh, coming success, up next, success. There was a, success. There was a story, Chris, on Peyton Krebs, the former Golden Knight, in the hockey news. We'll talk about that when we return on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back on this Monday edition of Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick in Las Vegas. And uh, Chris, we thank everyone, of course, for tuning in, making us their first listen. And again, that reminder to please subscribe on our brand spanking new YouTube channel, which is on fire. And leave some comments for us and some nice ones to bounce things out if you can. Uh, but there was a story, Chris, uh, in the hockey news, Peyton Krabs featured in a story uh, again, we know that he was traded along with Alex Tuck for a couple of draft picks for Jack Eichel. I remember VGK at that time, the reluctancy, right, to trade away Krabs. I think that that held up the deal for a while. He was the missing piece and the deal was stalled. But is this a player now ready for a breakout season? Um, he had just, I think, one assist while he was here, right, in Las Vegas um, on the NHL level. And they didn't want to give him up because they saw upside in his future. And he's back at his natural position playing center. Yeah. So, I mean, just 
kind of a side note um i you know buy sell and collect uh, sports memorabilia mainly uh, hockey cards and things like that and i have a couple players where i kind of prospect on where i load up on their cards hoping they they pop uh luis robert on the baseball side i've been all over him since double a and since about 2017 and i'm gonna reap the rewards of that someday i think pretty good uh peyton krebs was another one that i was all over for a long time i loved his story um it was unfortunate but he suffered a freak ACL injury like weeks or something like that before the NHL draft. He was prospected to be top 10, I believe, maybe even top six at one point. Unfortunately, the injury happens. That dropped him down to a spot where VGK could get him. I remember watching him limp to the podium, but it was a big thing to him to make that walk to the podium when he when his name was called by the VGK. And, you know, he just kind of looking at his numbers here. That's why I was looking away for a second there. Um only only a few games in 2021 with the Vegas Golden Knights. But this is what stood out to me. So in Henderson, he plays the first five games of the season in the 2021 season. He goes one goal, four assists, point per game. But then he had his obligation to go back to the WHL. He couldn't. That was just his contract. He could not get out of that. 24 games played, he goes 13 and 30. But then he comes back with the Golden Knights, and he couldn't get it going, unfortunately. That was the... You know, that was uh, maybe what led them to make that deal. He did suffer his first official shot on goal, folks. If you remember, I think it was in the end of the regular season, even the play, I can't remember exactly. It hit his chin and broke his jaw. And that's how he registered his first shot on goal. He unfortunately missed, I believe, the rest of that regular season, couldn't make the playoff run that season. Um, And then now he obviously, the the trade happens in Rochester. He goes 4-11 and in 18 games. But with the Sabres, he goes 7-15. and 15. He was a minus 20, but, I mean, I'm not going to put any stock into that. So his trajectory, his upward uh, mobility as far as his output goes, I think he can become a very good, stable player, you know, like a Riley Smith as far as maybe the output goes. Maybe not necessarily the two-way ability, but that's just the first parallel that I drew. Um you know, maybe score some more goals than William Carlson. We'll we'll see about that. Um, is this a trade? Is that the player that could come back and make this trade not favorable on the VGK side? Because we know what Tuck is going to do. A healthy Alex Tuck is twenty five goals all day, maybe even thirty goals, and that number might even go up. I mean, I love his size. I love the way he plays the game. I love everything about Alex Tuck except the injuries that he seems to be having the deeper into his career he gets. So Peyton Krebs is the X factor of that trade. And if Eichel becomes, you know, the continues his generational talent skill set, then it doesn't matter what the trade is. But if Eichel is only getting 65, 70, 75 points and Alex Tuck scores 25, 28 goals, Peyton Krebs becomes an 18 to 22 goal scorer, then I think VGK would end up losing that trade, honestly. Yeah, and th- what they did, they were very patient with him in Buffalo. He started off, as you mentioned, in Rochester on the AHL level. That surprised played, me. That surprised up, me. Well, they wanted to move him to center and give him more right. reps and more experience mm-hmm. as a centerman because that's where they think he'll have the most impact in the future. And then after the season, of course, Buffalo doesn't make it to the playoffs. They sent him back down to the AHL. I don't mm-hmm. know if very many fans uh, knew that. And then uh, right now, I think they have him – uh, penciled in, even though they want him to play center, he's on that line with uh, Casey Middlestat mm-hmm. and uh, and Alex Tuck as a as a left winger. So I don't know when they're going to make that transition uh, where they want him to play center, but they have him, I guess, at least now for now, 
as the second line winger. And we'll have to see how he progresses in his career. But he's real interesting. And I just remember uh, that trade was held up for a while because that was the player that Buffalo coveted. And I think he's going to play the entire season. I think he'll be a day one starter. And that's where we're going to see, I think, him putting up some some pretty good numbers because he is very talented. And hopefully, you know, he stays healthy. No doubt. Like I said, he was a player that I targeted, you know, from the second I learned about his background, he's a player that I started personally investing in. I got a nice little stack of his uh, rookies and autographs and low numbered uh, short print parallels and things like that. And if he uh, does have a, a couple of good seasons, I'll certainly, uh, you know, flip those for from uh, from dollars to donuts or donuts to dollars, I guess, as they say. And I think he will be a solid player. I think he will be a daily contributor at the NHL level. And he was the holdup. Like how many times did we hear through various media outlets that, you know, Krebs, they want Krebs. VGK won't give up Krebs. They want Krebs. VGK won't give up Krebs. And finally VGK gave up Krebs. And I was a little upset at that moment. I was definitely a little bit upset. I loved watching Alex Tuck play. I, I've said this so many times when I was writing for franchise sports media, which got me and you connected. So uh shout out to Joe and, uh, and, and, and company there. But I wrote a couple different articles talking about Alex Tuck, and I think Alex Tuck is the hardest player in the NHL to stop between the blue lines when he has a full head of steam. How many times did we see it, folks, in Vegas, uh, most notably the Sharks against the Sharks, I think, in round one, season two, if I recall, um, where he just gets a full head of steam. He starts at our, at our at our goal line. Once he gets that head of steam, folks, he can just – walk right through everybody and create an opportunity and he does have the ability to finish so you know maybe tuck is that elite finisher that we're going to end up uh, really regretting in, in this situation the more we think about it yeah right now i think you know just it, it happened late in the season well it happened at the midway point of the season i should say but i i think it worked out for for both teams and perhaps you know buffalo with tuck had a little bit of an advantage there and he just loves to play at home and to me, you know what he was? He was the answer. He was the guy that if, you know, remember when VGK would come back after the opponent would score a goal and they would come back real fast and score a goal? Well, he was the answer for me, either creating a shot or getting to the net or finishing, like Agreed. just skating right through players, as you said. And that's something that VGK was, was definitely missing. Chris, uh, we appreciate everything, all of your input today. We will give you an A on our report card. We thank everyone for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe once again to Lockdown VGK on YouTube. We're there and on our podcast, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco for Chris Golick in Las Vegas. We'll see you again on Wednesday right here on Lockdown Golden Knights.